And um, so please go back and listen to that interview with her. Uh, you can see it um, on my show page. Just scroll down a little bit, uh, and it's right there. Uh, you will definitely um, want to listen to that if um, uh, you know you have been uh, struggling with how to communicate uh, with your pet, or if it's even possible. Um, but tonight um, we're talking about a different subject that kind of uh, squeaked in the back door from our last talk, uh, and it's about sacred feminine wisdom from a white wolf, uh, more specifically from anger to fierce, uh, understanding how to lead uh, with embodied power and grace. And Alicia is going to share what she's learned from white wolf, um, uh, including inner energy alignment for clear communication, uh, the fine line between anger and being fierce and why this distinction is so important. Uh, we'll discuss the misconceptions most of us have about wolves. Uh, most important, we'll delve into how this can benefit women in their personal, professional, and family lives or uh, in, you know, as they strive for leadership. Uh, Alicia will also offer three tips to listeners wanting to strengthen their own leadership role uh, in their personal lives and uh, also in their local and global communities. Um, you'll learn to make the shift into white wolf wisdom with ease. So uh, I just want to say, uh, Alicia, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Karen. It's really it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for all of these years that you have been sharing sacred feminine wisdom. And I'm so, I heard the excitement in your voice as you were like, it's finally here. So thank you for being <laughs> a pioneer and, and for, for sticking with for sticking with the wisdom for so long. <laughs> well, you know, in the past, I've I've kind of referred to it uh, as I, I felt like I was blazing a trail with my pink-handled machete. And, uh, you know, certainly I wasn't the only one out there, and there were certainly four mothers that came before me, uh, but sometimes it was, uh, it was lonely there with that, uh, with that little machete, uh, you know, hacking away at the, uh, you know, at, at the brush and the thorns and, the, you know, the obstacles that uh, patriarchy uh, puts in our path. But uh, fortunately, I think, um, you know, women have really had enough and they're waking up and uh, I think we have a lot of male allies too. And, uh, I mean, that's the only way it'll happen. And uh, I'm optimistic. That's awesome. And and I think I want to make really clear, like, the feminine is not against the masculine. There's been a grave imbalance between, you know, the two. And so the patriarchy has gotten to rise to where it is. And it's not all men. It's, it's, a, it's a small percentage of male thinking that um, doesn't know when enough is enough. And also, the feminine is coming out of the place of being afraid of being angry and remembering what it is to be fierce. So it sort of feels like we've got, you know, one 
backing off of the accelerator while one's putting its foot on the accelerator, which is what you do when you have a clutch car, right? When you have a manual, it's like you've got to get the timing right. So I think we're in that timing change of changing gears. Um, And, again, it is not a bashing of the masculine. The masculine in its balanced state is absolutely beautiful, and it's very protective of the feminine. But when it's out of balance, it's kind of rogue, and it just doesn't know. It doesn't have any boundaries. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this topic tonight. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, I've been doing this so long that and talking about these topics for so long that, you know, sometimes I forget to, you know, punctuate those important points um, because I do believe it's a state of mind more than it is about a gender because, you know, we have great men who, um, you know, aren't immersed in this toxic masculinity as, as well as women who... Um, you know, or not the kind of energy we're talking about as well, you know. I mean, uh, one of the things that makes me a little crazy is when I'll see stuff on Facebook from women acting as if, um, you know, women are the end-all and be-all and they're the saviors. Uh, And uh, I think in a way that that's, um, you know, might be more realistic to think that, you know, women are the life-givers and, you know, maybe we should... um, uh, you know, lean toward them, uh, you know, and in, in, in put all our eggs in that basket. But, um, you know, while I think women are more predisposed to trying to create the kind of world we want to live in, you know, helping to balance out uh, the masculine and the feminine, we do have to remember uh, that there are an awful lot of women who uh, prop up the patriarchy, who, um, you know, keep the status quo where it is. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, for me, it's not so much about the gender. It's really about your, you know, your state of mind. And um, speaking about fierceness, um, this is a perfect perfect time for me to mention before we get too deep into our conversation. Um, If uh, anyone out there is interested, uh, there is a Goddess Spirit Rising conference uh, coming this September in Simi Valley, California, which is Southern California. It's uh, maybe an hour north of Los Angeles, if you're not familiar with Simi Valley. Um, they're having an international goddess conference, um, the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference, and the theme is the primordial mother. She unsheaths her claws in ferocious protection. And I want to just say that again because I think it's so beautiful. The primordial primordial mother, she unsheaths her claws in ferocious protection. Um, I just love that. It feels so appropriate uh, because, uh, you know, I think uh, some people, when they hear the sacred feminine, they think passive. Um, You know, they don't think strength. Uh, They don't think empowerment. They think doormat. Um, and, um, you know, that's not at all what it is. You know, look at Kali, look at the Morrigan, look at Sekhmet, um, you know, all of these incredible goddesses who are our role models. But anyway, Alicia, <laughs> um, let me uh, tell folks a little bit about did not hear uh, our previous interview a few weeks ago when we talked uh, more specifically about your uh, communication abilities. Um, Alicia Evans, uh, she's the creatrix of the White Wolf Wisdom 
uh, authentic alpha female leadership programs and retreats. Uh, she mentors female leaders uh, who silently suffer from the shame and embarrassment of self-doubt and not enoughness. Uh, she guides her clients to reclaim their power and birthright to walk their talk, speak their truth, and unleash their true self-confidence while moving forward with a type of clarity, precision, and potency that can only come from connecting with their instinctual wisdom. With the precision and clarity of a wolf, Alicia's natural genius is her ability to laser focus in on her client's root issue and clearing it up. So um, I, I think that's really interesting, and uh, I want to jump in and uh, start uh, talking about that. So this, uh, this white wolf wisdom, you actually came to study with a, with a white wolf. For people out there that are kind of rolling their eyes, um, <laughs> saying, how could that be? Um, tell us about that, Alicia. Um. So about eight and a half years ago, I had a basset hound named Juliet, and about a year before that, she got really sick. She got some kind of avian-type flu that only dogs get, and it took a while to actually even diagnose it. But the, the night before Juliet left, and I knew she was going to leave the next day, um, I curled up in bed with her, and I just said, I know that you have to go, but would you be willing to come back with, as a white wolf with blue eyes? Now, I don't know why I said it. I knew as a dog trainer, as a holistic dog trainer, I really wanted to learn the clarity of the energy that takes place between in, in the communication between dogs and also between dogs and humans. So... I didn't really know what I was asking for. Well, I knew what I was asking for because I knew that I wanted a wolf-like mind to be able to teach me as an animal communicator what is the actual truth of the energy, you know, because there's different camps in terms of dog training, stuff like that. So I wanted to know what's the truth. So after Leah passed the next day, and three days later, I do not know why, but I went online and I was just searching wolf hybrids and I knew I was looking for a white dog with blue eyes and I was still in a fog from her leaving and about three and a half weeks later landed up contacting, some woman contacted me and said, I think that you should look at this litter and they sent me a picture and there was, you know, this white wolf with blue eyes. Now, wolves let me make this very clear. Wolves do not have blue eyes. So I do not have a wild wolf. I have a wolf ambassador <laughs> that came to me that has, you know, she's a Canadian sled, timber wolf, and Malamute. So she came to me in an acceptable form where, she, as a wolf, they're not really good house pets, okay? So she never tore up my house. She never, you know, has been, um, she's never run away from me or taken off, but she carried the energy that was required to teach me what I was asking to learn. So she is my white wolf with blue eyes. And since her arrival, she's carried the energy 
of literally like how wolves act, how they behave, how they respond. So she's been teaching me a very ancient, authentic energy language that most people don't really fully understand. Okay. Well, um, can you get a little bit more specific? You know, what has she taught you about this, um, I don't know, inner energy alignment of, uh, you know, for cure, you know, for clearer communication. I mean, what did you glean from being, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with that energy day in and day out? So, um, the analogy I can use is, um, you're, you're, I know you're familiar with ask and it is given, and really getting clear with our pictures of what we want. I had been doing that for a while, but I really didn't fully understand the level of communication that actually takes place towards being, uh, between being, whether it's, you know, animal and animal or animal and human. So she really schooled me (laughs) on um, the three different levels of communication that are actually happening and where humans actually get things backwards. So, the first thing that she had taught me and really solidified for me, because I had been an animal communicator for 18 years, um, but coming across her, utilizing, so I knew that pictures are an animal's first form of communication. And the truth is, pictures are actually a human's first form of communication as well. We just forget. So the first thing that she showed me was, you know, you humans forget that you're supposed to use a picture of what you want not what you don't want. She said, this is where you humans first start airing in your communication because you think one thing, you feel and intend something else, and then you speak something else. So she taught me originally, she said, your, your communication is out of alignment. So what you need to do is have a very clear picture of what you do want, speak to exactly what you do want, And that will align your intention in your gut. So every energy energy gate is very clearly aligned with what you actually do want. So in the dog training world, what that would look like is, you know, I'd have clients that would look at their dog and say, sit, 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 sit. And I'm like, the dog actually heard you. They, They heard what you said. But what are you picturing? And they're like, well, I'm looking at the dog standing. I said, okay, that's your problem. Picture the dog sitting first, then ask the dog to sit, and then see how aligned you feel right below your belly button that you're clear about what you want, you know you asked for exactly what you want, so your intention is very clear with the message that you're putting forth to that animal, which in a lot of ways is the same thing that happens with humans when we ask the universe for anything, right? We must be clear. Mm -hmm. It's like when someone goes on a road trip and we're like, be careful. I hope you have safe trips. But our picture is actually, oh, my God, they could get into an accident. Right? So it's not, we're not really clear in our communication. And that was one of the first things that she taught me was you must have a clear picture, clear words, and clear intentions. That is going to clear up 95% of the miscommunication that happen with humans and animals and also that happen with humans and humans. 
And I thought, wow, that makes everything really clear. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, that, well, that's uh, that, that's useful, and um, uh, and, it, and it makes perfect sense too. And um, and well, and you know, and I'm thinking, of, I'm, I'm imagining you with this this big giant dog in your in your house, you know, this wolf dog in your house. Um, are there misperceptions uh, we have about um, you know these sort of wolf hybrids uh, or wolves in general? I mean, was that part of your learning curve? So Ayana happened to stay, I don't know how she did this, but she hit 46 pounds at six months old, and she stayed 46 pounds till she was about a year and a half. So she really didn't start, like, fully growing till she was almost two or two and a half. And right now she's at about 68 pounds. So... One of the things with her that I was cautious about, because I know people's perceptions and and absolute misperceptions about wolves, was I wanted to just make sure that she didn't kind of go into, like, wolfish tendencies. So we socialized a lot at the dog park. You know, we had, she had playmates over. She, She was always with other dogs. And my dog, Indy, who um, was with me for a long time before Ayana, he was an excellent trainer of dogs. So he always made sure, you know, she understood boundaries and she understood rules. Ayana happened to be an exceptional puppy from the beginning. I mean, she would, we'd wake up in the morning and be like, don't you have to go out? And she would wait four or five or six hours when she got up. So... I had to work with my own, you know, fears of like, oh, my God, what if people find out she's a wolf because they have negative perceptions. But then just in working with Ayana with people, one of the biggest perceptions that people have about wolves is that wolves are going to try to hurt you or they're going to try to dominate you or they're going to try to take over or they're dangerous or if you meet a wolf, they're going to try to kill you. That is probably one of the biggest misperceptions that has been propagated by ridiculous marketing propaganda probably back from like the you know late 1800s to the 20s because there was such a rampage on killing off all the wolves and so they portrayed them as these vicious savage killers and they portrayed them as you know these dangerous beings so the biggest misperception in people thinking that wolves are these vicious animals Wolves are actually very scared of humans. They don't like humans. They know their history. They know being around most humans can be dangerous. So as a, as a general thing, you know, people would be scared. What if a wolf takes my child? What if a wolf tries to kill me? There's been two human beings in the last 75 years that have been attacked by wolves. But there has been millions of wolves killed by humans. So there's a misperception, and it's humongous, that wolves are these, you know, savage killers, and all they'll do is kill, and they'll hurt people. Um, They'll steal your child from the bus stop kind of thing. And the reality is humans have moved into their territory, 
humans have overtaken the land and have come to see them as these vicious predators. And the reality, too, factual scientific reality, wolves can only kill about 20% of what they go after. So it's not like a wolf goes out and they go by themselves and they, like, slaughter all kinds of other animals. They hunt in a pack because they really, they, they have to, because they're taking down bigger animals. They're not very efficient hunters. And so this whole myth about these animals being these vicious killers and they're savages and they won't stop and they're damaging, you know, hunters' elk populations, I would say those three are probably the biggest myths going Okay. Um, well, in your uh, communication and your day-to-day living um, with her, um, it seems like from some of our conversations and some of the stuff I've read uh, that you sent me that she taught you that there's a fine line between anger and fierce. Um, talk about that a bit. Um, how how did you learn that from her? What does that mean? And um, I guess it's a three prong question. And you know, how do we uh, now apply that uh, to uh, you know our our own um, personal empowerment and our own leadership styles? So that's a that's a really great question. Um, so I really didn't know the difference between anger and fierce. Um, I grew up in a household where I had a very angry father (laughs) and a very explosive father. And at times my mother could also get angry and sort of, you know, go into anger rages as well. So I just thought that anger was this thing that, you know, like somebody gets pissed off, they take it out on you, and basically you just have to deal, kind of no pun intended that we're talking about wolves, but you kind of had to deal with their poop, right? And then if you got fractured from it, like I did, as most people do when they get anger thrown at them, they either make one of two choices. You know, they hold that anger in and they go into rages themselves, Or they kind of, especially for females, they decide, you know, well, I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to be angry like that because I don't want to damage somebody else the way I was damaged. Well, before Ayana came into my life, I started learning a bit about anger and what it really is. And anger really is just an alarm system that somebody's crossing your boundaries. So as a dog trainer and as an energy healer for humans as well, that actually made a lot of sense to me because the, the, the messaging I heard growing up was, well, don't get angry, don't be angry. And yet, like, it was okay for the adults to be angry. And the anger, honestly, kind of felt like vomit and diarrhea, like all over um, my being. And so that was my experience with, with anger. And I became angry. You know, like I'd have a short fuse. Now, when I started studying Chinese medicine, I started to learn a lot of times the anger comes because the energy, the organ that works with stress in the body is the liver. And when the liver has too much stress built up in it, it starts barking, literally. You know, so that's what happens with dogs. That's what happens with people. 
So when I saw the combination of those two things, I was like, wow, I wonder if there's actually a different possibility, you know, available. Like, do we have to do this generation after generation? So when Ayana came into my life and I would watch her, because at, at times I'd be training puppies or, um, you know, I'd have other older dogs to work with. Ayana showed me one day very, very clearly. She said there is a very big difference between anger, which is an uncontrolled energy, and the, and the liver, the way the liver deals with anger, it goes up through the body. So it literally comes out the mouth. She said, but the energy of fierce is very different because the energy of fierce actually goes downward. So you root yourself and you actually call very, very clear boundaries she said, but the difference between humans and animals is that when we get fierce, we're very clear that we're only correcting a behavior. We're never correcting the being. And when I watched her, and I watched her with this puppy, and she said that to me, I could feel such a tremendous shift in the energy field because I remember having anger taken out on me and how terrified I was, you know, of that intensity of that energy. But when Ayana did that, what I noticed about the puppy was the puppy got startled for a minute and then went over to Ayana and then became very respectful. And then she just shook off the energy and she was fine. And I said, wow, that is a humongous difference between how we behave as humans because with the anger we're actually fracturing beings, which means that we disconnect from our own power, which is very dangerous for a kid because they can get stuck with thoughts and beliefs that subconsciously they don't even realize they're carrying. And when Ayana showed me that and she taught me how to start doing the fierce energy, what started to happen was I felt so much more empowered because I was like, wow, I'm not afraid that I'm going to get angry. The anger is just telling me somebody's crossing my boundary. But I don't have to explode on somebody. I don't have to do what was done to me. I can actually send that energy downward, be very clear, hey, you need to watch it because that behavior is unacceptable. So don't cross over this line. So I could correct the behavior without having to correct the being. And it was like light went off and, you know, like, Angels started singing, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what we're missing in a human awareness of that energy. Hmm. Well, what comes to mind for me, too, is um, it's almost a difference between uh, uh, a reaction um, and being proactive uh, a little bit as well. You know, one is about reacting uh, maybe in uh, a negative way, and the other is um, being more grounded and um, having a healthy boundary. If, if uh, I don't know, do, is, do you feel like that's a, another accurate way to say it? Absolutely. Um, I think that the way that Ayana taught it to me, it was very physically present. Like I could physically feel the difference in that energy. And so it, it stopped me from leaking energy toward, to anger, right? Because with anger, it was, I was always like, well, I don't want to react like that. So, yes, it does give us a better ability to respond. 
I think one way, the way that she teaches it, it's very energetic. You feel it in your body immediately. I think when we look at it as the difference between response and reaction, that's our human mind way of understanding it, which is fabulous, right, because it gives it context. But what I found so powerful about the way she taught it was, oh, my God, you can teach people how to make this shift in an instant so that they can actually feel it in their body so that they're trusting their instincts. Because one other thing that um, I learned through Chinese medicine and also Ayana has helped me a lot in understanding it as have the other animals, they're very instinctual beings. So they don't process a lot of stuff through, like, um, the mental brain they're actually already in alignment with consciousness. So we humans are still coming into alignment and understanding consciousness. And sometimes we can take that as a, as a concept, but what she actually did was help me physically ground the embodiment of it. And then when I started teaching it to my clients from that perspective, they got it right away. They were like, oh, my God, I feel the difference immediately. Okay, well, you're going to have to spoon feed me a little bit more. Um, how, um, you know, what does this actually look like? Um, I, I mean, because you're 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 talking about it, but how do how do we actually um, apply it? You know, in in your personal and or professional or family life. I mean, um, uh, what would what, what would be the process, the steps? You know, what are the you know, what, what would be the difference in how you respond? I, I hope I'm languaging the question right. Does, does that make sense? I mean, I guess I'm saying, what, you know, how do you, what is the practice? How do you apply it? I love that you asked that question because the application actually literally comes from the body. So imagine the last time that you started to feel, you started feeling anger, right? You started feeling, like you start to feel it in your gut. You start to feel it rising up. You know, you, you start hitting that point where you're like, my thermometer is getting real hot inside, and it's not because I'm going through menopause, right? So you start feeling this rising, and with anger, it's interesting because it starts bubbling up and then it almost feels like the reactivity of it, it's just like that last straw and then we launch. So the, what I teach people to do is as soon as you start feeling it and as soon as you're aware, you know what, somebody's energy is actually crossing my boundary, the first thing that I have people do is instead of waiting for that energy to literally feel like it's rising up in your body, I tell them to ground into their feet and actually start exhaling so your belly goes towards your low back. Start exhaling that energy down through your legs and down into your feet. So then what starts to happen is instead of feeling like you're losing your power because all that energy is kind of coming up and wants to explode out of your body, you're actually taking charge to ground it and send it down and be willing to stand your ground literally and what starts to happen is instead of you know and I notice this physically happening in people when the energy starts to go up and we're starting to get angry 
we might start shifting our focus to different things. We might have a hard time, like, still looking at the person. Well, what shifts is when you actually start bringing that energy down through your legs and you start exhaling it through your feet into the earth, you have an easy ability to start looking that person directly in the eye. Because the anger is just, like I said, it's telling you you're being fed some BS here. All right? It's your BS meter. It's like I know in my body, my body is totally telling me that this is not true. And you'll notice it too, like when dogs meet with each other, right? They'll sniff, but sometimes they'll look each other straight in the eye. And it's the one that's able to literally hold their ground in their own body. The other one will actually look away. And these are subtle things that we don't realize as humans, right? Because we're trained, look somebody in the eye, keep looking somebody in the eye. The difference is you can keep, you can overthink it. But an animal can always read when a human is not being honest and authentic, like about how they're really feeling. So when Ayana started teaching me this, there was what happened physically when I started sending that energy down. I didn't have to compensate for anything. I didn't have to, like, listen to the person and then I was, like, already had my response, right? I could really take it in. I could really be present and know that I was okay that my anger wasn't going to explode all over the place, and that my fears was standing there to say, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I don't feel the same way that you do, but I appreciate it, you know. So it started allowing me to feel safe in my body that my only option wasn't the reactivity of anger. It could become the response of staying really grounded in my being and knowing when someone was trying to manipulate me or when someone was, you know, not totally being honest. And I could just hold my ground in my body with that, and I didn't have to let them get me to a point of anger. I could hold my own clear boundaries and just say, thanks so much, and trust my body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It resonates with me. And and, um, as I'm listening to you, I was just kind of closing my eyes and visualizing it and um, kind of feeling it in my own body. And um, it feels like it's, it's very doable. Um, you know, yeah. you, you just have to, you know, take that first breath and not let that energy explode out of the top of your head or out through your mouth. Um, and like you said, instead, you know, pull it in, pull it in, pull it in, make that eye contact. And um, I don't know, I kind of think when you do that to your adversary, um, I think, you know, using the kind of body language we see with dogs, um, I think they're going to put their tail between their legs. <laughs> Um, you know, and uh, they're they're going to scamper off. So, um, it, you know, thing it, 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 with you know, that, I'm, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, and well, when, not, when I was what I was going to say. Go ahead. No, you go. No, no, no you go. 
<laughs> well, I was thinking about recently, I don't know if you've been watching the news, uh, but I've been watching AOC, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, how uh, mm-hmm. she handles the Republicans, you know, the way they kind mm-hmm. of come after her. And uh, I think she does that. I mean, she's doing it on social media. I've seen her do it on television. I've seen her do it in interviews. And I think she does it. Um, and I don't know. That was just something that came to me. I, I, I don't know whether she's, uh, uh, you know, she's taken one of your classes or not, but I kind of feel like um, she's kind of employing uh, this, you know, this method that, that you're talking about, whether she realizes it or not. Yes. <laughs> and And here's, Here's the biggest difference that I learned about the fierce feminine versus the anger paradigm. No war was ever started because somebody was fierce. Fierce actually de-escalates somebody's unregulated anger or rage. Anger and rage are at the core of war. Somebody's boundaries are crossed, now they're going to go and retaliate. Right? But when you're actually dealing with the fierce feminine, the whole point of it is to call someone's bluff and their, you know, way they puff themselves up to actually de-escalate war and create peace. Because what happens with fierceness, as I said before, it doesn't fracture the being. It only corrects the behavior. So when you're correcting a behavior that somebody didn't know about or they were told, hey, don't do this. Like when parents tell their kids five times, you know, not to do something because it could be dangerous. It breeds respect. Now, respect does not mean you don't think for your own self. It just means you have respect that someone else, and, you know, if we're talking wolves, we'll talk about the alphas, um, but all that is is just the parents, right? It breeds respect that the parents might see a bigger picture than the kids. The kids might just be in their impetuous state. And, you know, I mean, we have adults running around the world that are still kids. They haven't really grown up or grown past their childhood stuff so that's all the fierce was really designed to do it's a very protective energy that is really designed to enforce a level of respect through clear boundaries and if it has to it will raise its energy further only to protect that which is sacred but it never goes to war. In other words, it never starts a war, okay? It's only there mm-hmm. to hold the energy to actually stop a war or stop a conflict. So it, that's yeah. why it was designed to correct bad behavior. And, you know, I, I will say that there is bad behavior in dogs just like there's bad behavior in humans. But when the leaders clearly know the distinction of this energy, there's much less bad behavior. And if we take this back to the wolves, another thing that Ayana made me aware of, she said, you do realize that 
the whole animal kingdom, it's the females that are actually in charge. They're actually the alpha leaders. Their job is to birth the young and to start the correct social behaviors. She said the male alphas are there to protect and guard the females. So while our whole world has predicated itself on the whole alpha male thing, right, as like the warriors and, 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 you know, the aggressors, it's actually not the way that nature does it. Humans are the only animal that has gotten this backwards. So I was really surprised when she brought that up. Well, and you're reminding me, um, again, going back to early interviews I've done, you know, when we talked about the, you know, the new, you know, the role of man in this new uh, world we want to manifest, um, you know, because so many men felt lost and, you know, where would they fit in if women suddenly were on the rise or at the center or at the front? And, you know, and it was, it was all about them not needing to be a warrior, but instead shifting into that protector mode. You know, so here we, again, we have nature showing the way if we just uh, had the will um, and the awareness to notice um, that the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way to do it, the way to do so many things um, is being shown to us. Uh, you know, we just have to, you know, pay attention. Um, I do want to ask you, um, is there a best time uh, for women in particular uh, to learn to use this uh, part of their sacred feminine voice? Or does it, you know, is, is timing not so much an issue? Uh, the younger, the better. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, I mean, I didn't start learning this into my 30s. I have clients that are in their 60s, you know, that I'm teaching this to that are just the light bulbs are going off. I have moms that I'm teaching this to because one of the things that she shared with me too, she said, listen, even though, you know, dogs were descended from wolves, and it's been a long, 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 long time, you know, since the dog was a wolf. She said the bottom line, though, is the psychology is still the same. She said it's actually the same pretty much for any mammal, including the human species. So oftentimes I will be working with a mom that, you know, I'm working with the mom and the dog, and the kid will show up, and the kid's doing something funky, and the mom's trying to be really pleasant and not offend the child and you know so one thing that Ayana showed me about the spectrum she said as humans you often start out as you're fearful you're afraid to just say what you need or ask for what you want or say hey this is the way it is because you don't want like feedback you know you don't you don't want somebody being like well I don't feel like doing that she said, so for humans, you start out fearful, asking very nicely and being very kind. And then when you don't get what you want, she said, then you start to become frustrated. She said, and then that frustration flips to anger. So she, saw, she showed it to me as like on the left side of the spectrum, we start with fear. Then in the middle part of it, we go into frustration. And then on the right side of it, we go into anger. So that's us moving like left to right. She said, as wolves, we don't 
we don't do left to right. We do our intention moves forward. So I kind of get into your space a little bit and you feel the pressure of it. And then I just back off as soon as you realize I meant what I said. So I started sharing this with one of the moms. We were, her daughter was uh, on one of those scooters, and she wanted her daughter to put on her helmet. So she was lovely. You know, at first she was like, honey, I really want you to put on my, your helmet. And she had to say this about four times. She started getting frustrated. I said, why don't you just say to her, honey, put on your helmet now or you're not going to use your scooter. And all of a sudden, the little girl goes, okay, goes over, puts on her helmet. I said, how do you feel? She goes, I can't believe that that's all I had to do. I said, yeah, because you're not mad at your kid. You're just telling her very clearly, these are the rules. Get it or don't. These are the consequences. Choose it. And that's the end of the story. Right. It was so wonderful to watch that. Well, it, it, yeah, it's not a negotiation. <laughs> um, no, well, listen, a um, and a we child. are <laughs> right, right. Um, well, we're we're um, believe it or not, we, we're already forty eight minutes in, um, and oh, well. I, I want to get to one of these. I, I know the time just flew. I didn't even take a commercial yet, um, but I know you had three tips. Um, that you wanted to offer anyone uh, wanting to strengthen their own leadership um, model, so to speak, you know, personal, uh, you know, out, out there in society or their community. Um, what would the what would the three tips be? Okay, the first tip is watch your breathing. Um, as a society, and this is why so many people are actually experiencing anxiety. You know from the Me Too movement, so many people have already experienced trauma and abuse. So what that does is it shifts us up into breathing through our chest. So that's our sympathetic nervous system. So the first tip would be align yourself with starting to breathe through your belly. Okay, that will bring your energy downward. It will help you go into calm and and parasympathetic, and it will give you a bigger space to come from response versus reaction. So the first thing is check your breathing because if your breathing's up in your chest, it's going to be way easier for you to get set off and be angry versus being calm and responding. Second thing is every animal, human, non-human, thinks in terms of pictures first. Humans have just been taught a different way of learning so we've not been educated that we think in pictures first. So if you want clarity in whatever you are asking for or whatever you are stating, make sure you have a very clear picture of what you do want, not what you don't. So you're going to combine your breathing with your picture. Third thing, in terms of the fierce energy and the difference between shifting from anger to fierce, Make sure that when you exhale, you're sending your belly towards your low back and that energy is going down through your legs and rooting you into the ground, down through your feet, as opposed to letting it rise up to your head, and that's when you start barking. You will feel more calm. You will feel more centered. You will not have to allow for adrenaline to be the thing that you are receiving bonding with because adrenaline is always going to cause a reactivity. So this way you stay calm, you state what you have to state, 
And then you can just go back to normally being you. When you get angry, you actually start engaging adrenaline. So you almost feel like shaky afterwards. You do not have to do that pattern anymore. Once you start sending that energy down through your feet, you will feel a level of confidence. You will feel your boundaries getting stronger, literally. You will physically feel it in your body. And then you say what you need to say, resolve it, and just walk away. And you don't have to deal with that chemical reaction of, like, shakiness or feeling scared or, you know, feeling out of your body. You will stay grounded in your body because that is your natural way. And this is what the white wolf brought forward to me with all of these pieces. And I was like, wow, women need to know this. I and I I totally agree and uh, and you know and I haven't actually done this yet uh, I intend to uh, because I truly believe it'll work and one of the reasons I truly believe it'll work is you know recently you know we've had an upheaval in our life and um, you know I've gone through a lot of anxiety lately this year like never before and I started doing breathe and I tell you I've never felt so grounded and empowered in my life. You know, I mean, uh, the the anxiety would just disappear, and suddenly you're grounded. And um, I, I know it sounds silly, but it's amazing what breathing really, um, you know, can actually do for you. Um, and you know, I'm not trying to oversimplify your your process by any stretch of the imagination, Alicia. I, um, you know, I'm just saying this one little piece of it I've noticed myself. So I can imagine, um, you know, if you employ your whole process here, um, you know, it'll be three times better. Um, so do you do these classes just um, in person or do you do them online for maybe people that, um, you know, would want to do some sort of, um, I don't know, online conference class? I mean, how can people learn the White Wolf Way from you? So to answer your question, yes, I work online. I also work in person and take women on retreat with the wolves. And you can go to my website, which is thewhitewolfway.com, and you can connect with me and you can learn more about it. And just, I 100% care, and the bottom line to all of it is the breath. If you become a master of the breath, and you understand how to use it when you need to use it in certain ways, that is, I teach breathing. That is the foundational piece of everything I teach because our breath will literally regulate our energy. So kudos to you that you're doing that. And, yes, actually it is that simple. I break it down so people also understand what else is happening in their bodies. But ultimately... It's to get them to breathe in a way that totally supports their being, and they can do it with instantaneousness and total ease. And they can have that feeling Um, of, you know, switching the anxiety to calm and confidence. Well, and, and, you know, and and it's it's no joke. Um, I was amazed at how quickly... 
um, I started to get my uh, anxiety under control and how um, how quickly I started to feel grounded. I mean, I even use the breathing techniques at night if I'm laying at bed at three in three o'clock in the morning and my you know my brain won't shut off and I'm starting to get anxious and uh, it puts me right to sleep. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it is really amazing. I, I I think we underestimate the power of the breath, uh, but um, you know, thanks to teachers like you, um, you know, uh, you know, we we can reincorporate that into our life, uh, you know, in a more powerful way. Uh, it's the foundation of everything. I heard a, I think it was a Native American proverb. It was like, if you want humans not to find something, just put it right underneath their nose. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's where you're breathing is. But it's the key, honestly, it's the key to everything. It will shift I things agree. instantaneously. So, you know, where people are talking about neurology and neuroscience, I have no problem with any of that, except the brain doesn't change a single thing unless it's preceded by a breath. So my thing is <laughs> you should understand the breathing. You can understand the chemistry later. That's that's fine, but the chemistry does not precede the breath. The breath is what actually adjusts the chemistry, and it's so easy to switch things, whether it's our leadership, whether it's our health. I was working with somebody yesterday who was getting heart arrhythmias. We switched her breathing, and we got to the root of what was actually causing the anxiety and the stress, and there were things that popped up for her that she hadn't remembered in so many years. And she she emailed me this morning. She said, the arrhythmias are done. And I was like, wow. So our breath backing up in our own body, having too much carbon dioxide in our body is actually more of the root of where the anxiety is coming from. Because we're not breathing. We're thinking about a problem or something that's stressing us. And we are literally not breathing properly. So that changes our chemistry to too much carbon dioxide in the body. The body says, whoa, this is starting to make me feel really anxious because I need more oxygen. So I 100% agree, and that is literally the foundation of every single thing I teach. We start with the breath. And to think it all came, uh, it all started with the white wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so, uh, let me uh, go ahead and um, uh, give your website, Alicia. Uh, I've been uh, speaking here to Alicia Evans, and uh, she's an animal communicator and teacher of the White Wolf Way, and uh, that is the website, thewhitewolfway.com. Alicia, it was great having you back on the show. Um, Thank you so much for coming back to talk about this. Um, because I, I really think it's uh, something extremely useful and so important, um, you know, for all of us out there. I really do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing what you've been doing to share the sacred voices of the feminine. And, you know, I'm just so glad that I learned from the animals how practical they are and why they want us to listen to them because they keep it really, really simple. But they're, you know, what they do, what they share, it's so simple and it's so effective. And they were the first ones, from what I understand, they were the ones that spoke to us first 
before we actually have even our connection with the creator. So they're a pretty yeah, intelligent and, and, bunch. Yeah, and we under we underestimate them. Uh, well, thank you, Alicia, uh, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Uh, please let me know if uh, any good things come up you want to share with listeners, okay? Thank you so much, Karen. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Good night. Good night. Well, I want I want to get back to that Goddess Spirit Rising conference um, that uh, I mentioned uh, at the top of the show. Uh, the theme, The Primordial Mother, She Unsheaths Her Claws in Ferocious Protection. I wanted to give a little bit more information about that. Uh, it is September 12th through 15th uh, of this year uh, in Simi Valley, California. And if you want to find out more about possibly attending or telling friends or uh, you're just curious. Uh, they have a website. It is goddessspiritrising.com. They're also on Facebook. You can go to their Goddess Spirit Rising uh, page. Um, their webs, their uh, email, if you want to email somebody, is uh, goddessspiritrising at yahoo.com. So uh, tonight, as we're talking about uh, uh, things like um, you know the difference between being fierce and anger, uh, warrior goddesses, um, you know, stepping into our empowerment uh, in a grounded, um, positive way rather than from a a place of adrenaline or reaction, um, all of this fits in. You know, we're kind of connecting the dots uh, with all of this stuff. Um, so, uh, so do go to the website if uh, you've been looking for a gathering of like-minded folks, um, and uh, you know, check out the GoddessSpiritRising.com uh, website in the upcoming conference. She unsheaths her claws and ferocious protection. You know, as a Sekhmet priestess, that really appeals to me. I really like that theme. Um, and uh, a word from Jo Carson here. Uh, it's been a while since uh, I've talked about her new book, uh, Celebrate Wildness, uh, but this is what um, Dana Corby in her blog, uh, The Rant and Raven, said about Jo Carson's new book uh, titled Celebrate Wildness. She said, when people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they don't take into account but should is feriferia. Feriferia, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other. Based on Fred's visions of the divine feminine, the sacredness of eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans, such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Fred intended that Feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, eros, and play are the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fey romp among us. Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created in me a sort of homesickness, a wistfulness for the idealist I was. We all were back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. 
Celebrate Wildness is a short book, uh, only 115 pages, but they are full of art. Don't expect to read it quickly. Take your time. Let it sink into your subconscious. Savor it. Marinate in it. And what bobs to the surface will be wondrous. If you're interested in your own copy, um, you can get it at feriferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A.org. It's an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. Uh, It's really an art book. Um, It would be great for a coffee table book, um, something that you want to put out and uh, be a real conversation piece as well as... um, um, you know, real great content inside for, you know, educational purposes and raised awareness as well. And it's only $45. Uh, you get so much between those, uh, those two covers. It should be in your library. And, um, okay, before you go, um, I want to remind you that uh, next Wednesday I'll have with me um, uh, Trelawney, uh, let me make sure, Trelawney Grenfell Muir. And uh, our topic is going to be uh, Echo Feminist Warriors on the Rise, Not Your Father's Warrior Archetype. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, couldn't be a better time with all the threats of um, global warming upon us um, and, and those sorts of things. And um, here is uh, the article from our um, roving goddess reporter, Pat, uh, which she sent for me to share with you. It's titled, Beyond the Tampon Tax, How Far Will California Go to End Menstrual Inequity? And uh, this was in uh, a blog called Cal Matters uh, by Elizabeth uh, Aguilera. Uh, And it goes like this. A few years back, uh, there were a lot of eye rolls and snickers when Democratic Assemblywoman Christina Garcia of Bell Gardens carried such a bill about the tampon tax, they're referring. Embracing the novelty of it all, she dubbed herself Tampon Queen and propped a huge pad and tampon in her office window. It allowed a conversation to happen that was more than a tax. It's about menstrual equity and our biology, she said. Her bill cleared the legislature in 2016, but Governor Jerry Brown vetoed it, saying it would have been addressed within the state budget and that tax breaks are the same thing as new spending. With a new governor in place, she's at it again. This time her colleagues have been so eager to back her Assembly Bill 31 that it has more co-authors than any other this session. Last time, she said, I had to beg them to join me. This bill is expected to garner Governor Gavin Newsom's support. But Jerry Brown isn't alone. Editorials and newspapers such as the LA Times have contended that it's unwise to carve out exemptions from state sales tax in such a random fashion, especially when the state taxes uh, items equally as essential, especially when the state taxes items equally as essential, such as toilet paper, diapers, and toothpaste. The California Tax Reform Association criticized the bill for drawing a line new to the state sales tax called gender necessity. The problem with drawing such a line is that many possibilities for exemption follow the logic of gender specificity. Clothing, cosmetics, over-the-counter, and pharmaceuticals are all examples of products that can be construed as both gender-based and necessary, the association said. 
And the California State Association of Counties also opposed the idea. Uh, they said, uh, after the past 30 years of changes to sales and use tax collections, counties have come to depend on those revenues to balance their budgets and specifically offset the cost of providing realigned services, including criminal justice, health, mental health, and social services, the association wrote. I respect the need for California to be fiscally sound, Garcia countered, but the state budget should not be balanced by a tax of a person's uterus. The same goes for local governments. Our tax codes should be gender neutral. <coughs> A legislative analysis said if the, the bill, if enacted, would cost the state of California $9 million in lost revenue in the first year and 19 in the second year. To be clear, there is not an extra tax on tampons and pads, but unlike food and medicine, they are not exempt from California sales tax because the state considers them not necessities but luxuries. Thus far, 10 other states, including New York, Florida, Connecticut, Nevada, and D.C., have banned sales tax on period products. Across the globe, Canada, India, and Australia have long since eliminated the tax, and a battle is underway to end it in the United Kingdom. Garcia said, today the most progressive state in the union is behind the curve in providing a gender-neutral tax code that doesn't profit off of a woman's basic biological functions. The tampon tax is not the issue that will solve period poverty, but it sends a message that menstrual hygiene is necessary and it's a right. Um, and that was a statement by Nadia Okamatu, uh, who at age 16 founded a group called Period, P-R-I-O-D, uh, the menstrual movement, uh, a nonprofit that donates products and works on menstrual policy and education with 350 chapters across the world. It's something that happens to the majority of the global population for an average of 40 years of life and it makes human life possible. It's not something that should be treated with shame and stigma. It should be normalized. The group Celebrities and a period products company recently co-signed a letter to the U.S. Education Secretary, Betsy DeVos, grown, uh, asking for free products at all schools. Uh, this is not about whether I can afford it, Garcia said, noting that she's asked for free products to be available in state capital bathrooms. It's about how my biology does not behave in an expected manner. If I'm tracking down period products, I'm missing work. Uh, Wayne started a campus chapter of period which is uh, petitioning the UC Davis administration to provide free products in all campus bathrooms. UC approved and funded a pilot program to provide free products stocked by student volunteers in up to 13 campus bathrooms. The chapter surveyed students and reported 52% of students uh, respondents said they missed class or work in the last school year because they could not access a tampon or pad. So we'll, I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, and uh, that reminds me how um, in third world countries, uh, oftentimes little girls uh, who don't have access to these sorts of products don't go to school uh, because how can they? Um, you know, uh, they stay home, they use rags or whatever they have uh, to um, absorb the menstrual flow and they end up uh, missing school because they don't have access to those type of products. 
All right. Well, uh, thanks to Pat uh, for sending that to us uh, to share. I'm sure she will follow up with an update uh, as one is available. And that about does it uh, for me to tonight, uh, listeners. Uh, thank you again uh, for tuning in. Uh, I hope you'll be back uh, with me uh, every Wednesday. And uh, if you need uh, a fix before Wednesday, there's lots of great stuff in the archives. Uh, so I encourage you to uh, go there and uh, check things out. Um, also, too, uh, my blog, um, it came out this month, uh, Dancing at the Edges uh, with Karen Tate. And uh, in it I've highlighted um, uh, an oldie but goodie show. Uh, I'm thinking of it right now, so I'll mention it to you. You might want to go into the archives and look for it. It was with Sylvia Federici, and uh, she is talking about how the witch hunts and the uh, origins of capitalism are connected. Uh, very interesting show. And if you are on my mailing list for um, uh, my newsletter that comes out every month, uh, Dancing at the Edges with Karen Tate, uh, there is a link directly to that interview um, in that newsletter. Or you can always just go in the search box here um, on my show page at Blog Talk and just put in Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Sylvia Federici, and uh, that interview uh, will come up. Uh, just a reminder, too, that uh, I have a new website and I have a new email address. So if you are trying to reach me, um, it is KarenTate108 at Yahoo.com. And the new website, which I hope you will go take a look at, uh, is KarenTate.net used to be KarenDate.com, but now that uh, is in the hands of someone in Cambodia who tried to sell it back to me uh, for an exorbitant price, uh, which I believe they, uh, uh, is called extortion. Um, so anyway, I, I in no way wanted to uh, be at anyone's mercy to get my old website back, so uh, I just started fresh and anew at KarenTate.net. So please uh, go check it out. I think you'll like it. Uh, I actually like it much better than the old website. Not so dense. Um, all right then. Uh, I guess I will uh, say good night. Uh, after a quick reminder, go to goddessspiritrising.com and check out the conference coming to Simi Valley in September, September 12th through 15th. Uh, good night, dear listeners. I hope you'll be back with me next Wednesday. See you then. Hey.